the throne. Okay, Revelation chapter 4. We're going to be talking about the seraphim and the throne this morning. The seraphim and the throne, okay? And it's going to be dealing with the dimensions, the dimensions or the realms of God. Now, I cannot express to you how important this is. This is just phenomenal. And uh, I won't be able to touch it all this morning, but by the grace of God, give you some of it, give you glimpses of it, okay? Try to help you see what men like Enoch, what they, how they pass through veils and things like that and where we're headed. Now, in the Spirit, before I read this passage to you, when I talk about realms or dimensions, I want you to know it's within you first. It's, it's, it's happening inside of you. Okay, ultimately it will happen physically, but right now it's internally. Okay, there are different realms. There are three realms, three dimensions. Okay, the third realm being the throne room that you can move into inside in the spirit. But it's only given to the overcomer. Not everybody gets to that throne room dimension. Okay, these creatures around the throne are teaching you about yourself they are literal creatures but they are typical of you and I okay so there's a lot in this now Revelation 4 let's just start this by reading uh, 4.1 after this I looked and behold the door was open in heaven now here John is caught up it doesn't tell us that he was caught up bodily does it no he says he was caught up evidently he was caught up in the spirit Paul was caught up to the throne room of God. But he didn't know if he was in the body or out of the body. He could not tell. I believe he was caught up in the Spirit. Okay? You have different people in the Word of God that are caught up in the Spirit before the throne of God. Which means that you and I can get there. You and I can pass through the veil and in the spirit enter into the secret chamber of the most high God into the throne room you and I can get there ultimately it'll be physically right now it's spiritually and only the overcomers get there and only those who have overcome Leviathan only those who've gone through a a very serious time of testing and trial and tribulation pass through this that I'm talking about today that's why it's only for overcomers it's not for the average church person who just wants to come to church and be casual with God this is something that's very, very heavy. Job, Job fought Leviathan. Satan came against him. Okay, and literally Job said this. He cursed the day that the man-child was born. Now that doesn't just mean his physical birth. He's talking about a realm in the spirit when the man-child comes forth. Okay, you with me here? A Revelation chapter 12 type experience where that man-child is caught up before the throne of God. But you have to overcome Leviathan before you can ever be the man child caught up before the throne of God. And so you have to fight in a similar fashion what Job fought in order to get there. This is not for everybody. Okay? It is. God wants us all to experience it. But I'm telling you not everybody is going to because you've got an outer court. That's the multitudes. You've got a holy place. That's another group that's smaller. And then you have that third dimension, that throne room group which is, they're fewer in number. 
it gets narrower as you go. You go from the outer court, holy place, most holy place. Outer court's large, where the multitudes of church people are. Then you go into the holy place, and then you've got fewer people. It's smaller. Okay? Then you go into the most holy place, and it's even smaller still. So it gets narrower as you go, which means few there be that find that way. It's a narrow way. You hear me? And I don't know about you, but I don't want just a 30-fold or a 60-fold experience in God. I want a 100-fold experience in God, which is the completion or perfection or the ultimate walk with God. That's what I'm after. So I'm saying if you're going to shoot for something, you might as well shoot for the ultimate. If you're going to shoot for something, you might as well shoot for 100-fold, not 60 or 30. Now shoot for the, you know what I'm saying? Shoot for the throne. You might just make it to the stars, but shoot for the throne. But it's going to be through great, great warfare to experience that. Now, as we go through the book of Revelation, you're going to see people who have experienced it. That made it there. And literally, they will be able to, in the tribulation period, be able to, to be translated in the spirit back and forth from the earth to the heavens. They are an overcoming people. Okay? They're eagle-type people. Having said that, do you understand what I'm trying to share with you today? There's dimensions. There's realms in God. Okay. So we start out here in chapter 4. And he says, After this I looked and behold, it was open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was as it were a trumpet with me. Talking with me. He said, Come up hither and I will show thee things which must be after. So here we go. He's caught up in the spirit. And that can happen. And it has happened to people in this world today. Okay. And in verse 2, And immediately I was in the spirit. In the spirit. Can you imagine this? Being in the spirit and seeing what that man saw. Can you imagine being an Enoch and being translated literally and physically beyond that realm? I'm telling you, it's so powerful and there's so much fire around that throne that God talks about in the Bible. He talks about the chambers of hell. He talks about the chambers of snow. So you've got to literally be, be veiled or be clothed with some kind of chamber of snow or hell and even get into that fiery realm. It's heavy. It's powerful. Now, I'm not going to be able to share it all today, but we'll, we'll talk about it. That's what I'm after, right? That's what I'm after. And the way it's revolutionary is the way we look at the cherubim and the seraphim. The cherubim and the seraphim. Okay, you ready with me here? Are you with me up to this point? Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay. I will say this, if you have not been through the tabernacle teaching, you're a little bit at disadvantage this morning. If you've not had a home Bible study where we've gone through search for truth, you are at a disadvantage this morning. But if you want a home Bible study, let Brother Mike Gray know, Brother Andy Cardoza know, somebody know, and they will arrange you a Bible study. You need a home Bible study so you can understand the fundamentals. And we're talking about the tabernacle that's in this Bible study called search for truth, okay? So you're a little bit at disadvantage, but I'm going to do my best this morning to make it clear. All right, so John is caught up. Behold, he beholds a throne. It was set in heaven. Say a throne. And one set on the throne. When you talk about the throne, you're talking about the kingdom of God in manifestation. And it's beyond the church realm. Okay? It's beyond church. Because the church is found in the second room, the holy place. But the kingdom realm is found in the third dimension. And so he's caught up and he sees the throne. He's going to receive mysteries concerning the kingdom of God. In fact, the Jewish people, Jewish scholarship, 
believe there were two great mysteries. One was creation. The other was the mystery of the throne of God. In fact, they called it the chambers of the throne. There were so many different aspects and, and things about the throne room that was a mystery to them. They called it the chambers of God, mystical chambers of God in relationship to the throne. Well, this is heavy stuff, man. I'm telling you. It's not first grade stuff. This is for people who want to get there. And so he goes on and he says he sees uh, a throne. He sees one sitting on a throne, not three, one. He that sat was to look upon like a jasper and a sardin stone. The jasper, he says, is as crystal clear. In the end of the book of Revelation, it says crystal clear. And then the sardin is a red stone. And there was a rainbow round about the throne and the sight like an emerald. We talked about the rainbow last week, okay? There are six actual colors in the rainbow, but the seventh one being the Spirit of the Lord Himself. And I'll prove that because I did some more research on it. In Isaiah 11, it talks about the sevenfold working of the Spirit of the Lord. And he starts out with the Spirit of the Lord. And then he goes from there and there's six other things about the Spirit of the Lord. So it's interesting to me that there are six actual colors in the rainbow, but the Spirit of the Lord would be the seventh or the light itself. He is the light itself. Now keep that in mind. Because not only do you see around the throne a rainbow in the color of an emerald, but you have seven spirits before the uh, uh, seven spirits of God before the throne, and that speaks of the seven-colored rainbow. Okay, you with me here? Manifested in a seven-church situation, which we already talked about in Revelation two and three. Okay, now so he goes on and says, "He that sat was to look upon like a jasper, sardine stone. There was a rainbow round about the throne." In and round about the throne were four and twenty seats. Okay, y'all see it up here? A little bit vaguely. Okay, he says there's twenty-four seats round the throne. And upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting clothed in white raiment. And they had on their heads crowns of gold. That's one dimension. Around the throne, you got twenty-four elders. Okay, now watch this, this is powerful. And out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunders and voices. There were seven lamps of fire. There's the rainbow. Burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Are you with me here? Before the throne, there was a sea of glass. A sea of glass before the throne. But where is it? Where is it? The Bible says before the throne... And get this to work. I got to give you some foundational stuff here. Move this chair. Y'all bear with me, okay? Doing this for you, not for me. I've got to give you a picture so you can see. Okay? All right. Now watch this. Do you see that throne right there? Do you see these crowns right here? They represent the 24 elders that are around the throne. Here's the throne. There's a rainbow round about the throne like an emerald, but... We see these multicolors here, all right? Rainbow, the seven spirits of God or wisdom. Now, they, it says it's before the throne too. The Bible talks about these seraphim that are around the throne. So you got the seraphim here. You got the 24 elders here. Now, it talks about this sea of glass. Let me bring this up for you. I'm going to let you sit down and just... Where is that sea of glass located? Okay, watch this. This is why this is revolutionary. You have the seraphim here associated with the throne. Then you have a crystal glass, a sea of glass or a veil. And underneath it, the cherubim. Did you 
you hear that? You're going to see it when I, when, I'm going to show it to you in the Bible. Okay? And then we've got the ark right there. Eastern gate. Okay. Go ahead and sit down. So the Bible says we've got these 24 elders sitting, clothed in white raiment, and they had on their heads crowns of gold. And out of the throne proceeded lightnings, thunders, a voice, and there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was a sea of glass. Okay, you with me? The Bible says, and in the midst of the throne and round about the throne were four beasts full of eyes before and behind. Verse 7, Revelation 4, 7. And the first beast was like a lion, and the second beast like a calf. The third beast had the face of a man, and the fourth beast was like a flying eagle. And the four beasts had each of them six wings about him, and they were full of eyes within. They rest not day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. And when those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne, who liveth forever and ever, the four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne saying thou art worthy O Lord to receive glory and honor and power for thou hast created all things and for thy pleasure they are and were created then in chapter 5 it talks about the seal book uh, that is associated with the throne but look at verse 9 of chapter 5 verse 8 let me show you who's doing this when he had taken the book, the four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, saying, Every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints, having them. They sung a new song. Who did? The elders and the beast. Did you catch that? The elders and the beast are singing this. And the beast, living creature. They are singing this, and the Bible says what they sing. They sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book, to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God. Angels don't get redeemed. Seraphim don't get redeemed. Cherubim don't get redeemed. Men get redeemed. But the creatures, living creatures, are singing a song, and they are declaring that God has redeemed them. Which means that these creatures, they are real and literal, represent a redeemed people. Are you here? Now some translations will want to throw the us out. Okay, and not have these creatures singing it. But I don't, I don't think you need to do that because they represent the people of God who made it to the throne room dimension spiritually and then ultimately only a few are going to be there you understand that's why Jesus said in Matthew 7 he said straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leads to life he's not necessarily telling you that he's not really necessarily talking about heaven and hell there he's talking about a straight narrow path that leads to life into a dimension the throne room dimension broad is the way that leads to destruction yes Okay, are you here? But he's talking about the very straight and narrow way. Because if you go from the outer court into the holy place. And then the holy place of the tabernacle of Moses or the temple. It gets narrower as you go. 
So these people that are in the throne room are the redeemed of the Lord who are also overcomers. Overcomers. Okay. So he says, they, the beast and the living and the elders, 24 elders are singing this song. For thou hast, okay. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred, tongue, and people, and nation. These people, because they've got a revelation of the blood of Jesus or a revelation of the finished work of the cross, it ignites a praise in them. It starts from the living creatures. It goes to the elders. It goes from the elders to the angels. It goes from there to all creation. When you get a revelation of the blood of Jesus and the throne, it will ignite praise in you. It will ignite worship in you. Okay, are y'all ready for this? Let's, let's talk about this. Okay, I'm going to read some more here. He goes on and he says here, he says, and uh, the first beast was like a lion, the second beast like a calf, the third beast had a face as a man, and the fourth beast was like a flying eagle. Notice, each one of them have one face here. And they have six wings. Right? Okay. When we talk about the cherubim, they're described differently. But before we get there, let me talk about realms. Okay, or dimensions. When you see this passage right here, it talks about in the midst of the throne and round about the throne, you've got these four living creatures. Isn't that interesting? They're not just around it, but they're in it. And the Lord invited the overcoming church to sit with him in the throne. Okay, God, I need your grace this morning because some of y'all are wondering on me. I just wonder if we're even worthy to receive this this morning. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if, if I'm even worthy to receive this this morning. This is heavy. I want you to gird up the loins of your mind. I want you to, to get in a place where you can receive from God this morning. I don't need you wondering. This is too, too awesome for you to wonder. I believe that God can catch us up this morning into this dimension if we can see it. If you can't see it, you can't get there. But if you can see it, then you can get there. If you can see it, you can experience it. Okay? But if we can't see it, we don't even know what to, what to look for. Okay. Let's talk about this. Okay, praise the Lord. I've got to go back to Revelation 4. Please open your Bible. And the Bible says this. Verse 4, round about the throne were four and twenty seats, and upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting clothed in white raiment, they had on their heads crowns of gold. Out of the throne proceeded lightnings, thunderings, voices, and there were seven lamps of fire before, burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was a sea of glass like unto crystal. Okay, here we go, watch this. If we look at this in, an, in a normal way, we would think that what we have is, we have the sea of glass. Where was the laver located in the tabernacle? Okay. If you can see up here, probably can't see it up here. But in the outer court, you had an altar and you had a laver. 
then you go into the tabernacle itself and in the tabernacle itself the first room the holy place the outer court would be the first area the second place would be the holy place in the holy place you'd have the showbread the golden uh, candlestick or the menorah the altar of incense and then a veil and then behind the veil you would have the most holy place where you have the ark and the carabine okay this Revelation chapter 4 passage, if we interpret it from normal interpretation, we would say that this sea of glass is in the outer court. It's in the outer court right there. And then the seven spirits that, that are before the throne of God, the burning seven spirits that are before the throne of God, we would say that that's the golden candlestick in the second dimension. And then we go on and we see the throne room and so the third dimension. So we would see in this passage all realms are mentioned. You have the outer court mentioned, the sea of glass. You have, as you move in the tabernacle, the holy place. And that's where the seven golden candlestick is located. Okay, and the seven spirits of God before the throne. And then you have the throne itself. So you would, you would, in a sense, because it's all interconnected, that is true. But I'm going to show you something that's revolutionary this morning. Okay? But before I do that, let me just deal with a basic approach unto God. You are ultimately headed back to the throne. That's God's desire for you. You were created, your spirit... If you were to die today, your spirit would go back to God who gave it. Which means you came from God. Every one of you here came from God. Everybody in this world came from God originally. Your spirit came from God. It originated with God. When you were born physically into this world, that was the manifestation of your creation. Your spirit was already created. And when you were born, God breathed into that body your spirit, which was already created. You understand? God, it came from God. And so all of us are on a journey. Right now, we're on a journey inwardly in the spirit. We are on a journey from, okay, from having come from God to going back to God because man fell away from God. Now he's got to go back to God. You understand? We are on a journey, and God is trying to show you that the journey is to get back to where you came from, and that's the throne of God. Okay? So that you and I are prodigal sons. Every one of us were prodigal sons. We were born as prodigal sons. The prodigal son goes to the father and asks him for his inheritance, which falleth to him. He's a type of Adam fallen. You with me? The prodigal son gets his inheritance, which is fallen to him. He goes into a foreign country. Eventually, he ends up in a swine's pen. Okay? Separated from the Father in a far country. But at some point, he realizes his fallenness. 
And he says, I will return to my father. And so he makes his journey. All of us are on a journey. He makes his journey back to the father. And so when we were born, we were born with a fallen nature because of Adam. And all of us are on a journey. And that journey from God's point of view is to get you back to himself. To get you to the Father. To get you to the throne. Alright. Some of you are on your way. Some of you have taken the first step. You've repented. Okay. That's what the prodigal son did. He repented of his sin. Some of you have done that much. You've repented. And so he starts on the journey. But ultimately he makes it back to the Father. Okay. So the Spirit goes back to God who gave it. So we start at with God, but because of our fallenness, we have to return back to where we came from as prodigals. Do you hear what I'm saying? Israel in the Old Testament was in the wilderness before they got the tabernacle. And they had to move from the wilderness, the foreign country, God gave them the tabernacle and showed them their journey out of the wilderness through dimensions called an outer court, holy place, and most holy place. He showed them the way out of the wilderness and back into the throne room. And so even Israel traveled from the wilderness into the tabernacle, outer court, holy place, we've got the priest, and then the high priest in the most holy place, all the way back to God. When you see this in Revelation then, you see foundationally, you see three realms. You see the sea of glass, outer court. You see the seven spirits of God, golden candlestick, holy place. And you see the throne of God, most holy place. That's the ultimate dimension. And Revelation 2 and 3, the promises to those that overcome are all throne room dimension Movement in the Spirit. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm on a journey. That's why it is absolutely ludicrous for you to think that water baptism, which is at a court, and the infilling of the Holy Ghost, which is the holy place, is completion. All it is is a journey to a high dimension. You get water baptized in the outer court. You go into the tabernacle in the holy place. And that's where you get filled with the Holy Ghost. Because the number 50 is predominant in that holy place area. The number 50, 50 speaks Pentecost. And so when you got filled with the Holy Ghost, you entered into the second dimension on your journey. But God says, that is just the earnest of your inheritance. That's not the end. That's the beginning of everything. See? And we Pentecostals like to preach baptism in Jesus' name. The Holy Ghost in filling. Like that's all there is. God said, that's just the earnest or the beginning of the journey. The ultimate is to get into that hundredfold realm where you have completion and perfection. Are you with me here? Okay. 
Let me talk to you about this outer court situation. About this sea that's before the throne. The sea of glass. In Revelation 15, 2, you see a group of people standing on top of the glass. Say, standing on top of the glass. And it says that they have got the victory over the Antichrist. They got the victory over the beast. Revelation 15, 2. So these people are overcomers. They've overcome the beast nature. Listen to me. They have overcome the beast nature within them. In the spirit right now, you have to overcome the beast nature that's in you. You have to overcome the beast mindset. Because if you don't, the beast nature that is in you gets its information from the world. But when you get walk in the kingdom of God and you overcome the beast nature, you no longer get your information from the world, but you get your information from God's word. And that's where the struggle is with the church because they think too much. What I mean by that is they get too much information from the world and they make their decisions based on what the world tells them instead of what God tells them. And I'm here to tell you what God says is totally different from your reasoning. Totally outside of your thinking. And it's only those who have overcome the beast that stand on the sea of glass. So you have to overcome the beast within you first. And if we find ourselves in a seven-year tribulation period, then you have to overcome the literal beast, which is nothing more than a manifestation of the beast that's inside of you. And the mark of the beast is something that's already in you right now. You've got the image of the beast, okay, already inside of you. You have the mark of the beast. What is that? Your fallen nature. But ultimately, the mark that people receive in their forehead is the ultimate manifestation of a decision they've already made. You've got to make that decision in here before you can ever get it here. So you've got to have hell in you before you could ever go to hell. Or you've got to have heaven in you before you could ever go to heaven. So it's got to happen in here before it ever happens outwardly in a manifestation way. So Revelation 15 too, There's a group of people that have overcome the beast. And they're standing on the sea. Now watch this. If I back out into the outer court in the first realm. The first dimension. Then I'll find this laver. In the temple of Solomon, it was called a sea. Here it's called a sea of glass. Okay? So where does it begin? How do I overcome the beast? The same way Israel overcame Pharaoh in the Old Testament. He was drowned in the depth of the sea. And Pharaoh is a type of the Antichrist. Pharaoh is a type of the beast inside of you. That has to be overthrown or drowned in the depth of the sea. Where that started was water baptism in Jesus' name. This is where you identified yourself with Jesus. And you buried the old man. You buried the old creation. You drowned Pharaoh in the depth of the sea. You with me? That's where it started. Now in that tabernacle in the Old Testament... It's interesting to me, it says it's a sea of glass here. The tabernacle in the Old Testament, the laver that was out in the outer court, 
which is a type of this, was made out of the looking glasses of the women. It was the one offering that the women were the only ones could bring it. Now, I don't know, you know, for sure. Maybe some guy over there in Israel had him a little compact. You know, I'm not real sure. We got him today. <laughs> but specifically, this was given for the women to bring. There was a, a gift, an offering that only they could bring. And that was the looking glasses of the women for the laver or for the water basin. And at the water basin, the priests would wash, the sacrifices were washed, and the inward parts were washed of those sacrifices. And so as you approached this laver of water there in the outer court, you would see yourself as you are and understand that, you're, you know, your need. Okay? Watch this. This is heavy stuff. This is good stuff. So what these women did was this. They said, we're not going to get our information from the world. We're not going to get our beauty from the world. We're not going to let the world define to us our beauty. We're going to surrender earthly beauty for heavenly holiness. Now, it doesn't, it doesn't mean that they surrendered their beauty. They surrendered earth realm beauty. For heavenly holiness. So when you come and you get ready to be baptized in Jesus' name, you're laying down the old self. You're dying to the old self. And you're saying, I don't want the earthly beauty, but I want heavenly holiness. I don't want to just get my information from the world. I want to get my information from the word of God and I don't care if the world likes the way I look or not because I'm not getting my information from them anymore I've laid down my life and I'm walking in the spirit and I've got heavenly holiness that I'm after right now give God some praise but what you need to understand is this that heavenly holiness is true beauty Heavenly holiness was, you were created for heavenly holiness. You were created to be beautified with salvation. The Lord beautifies the meek with salvation. You don't need external beautification. You don't need a cosmic beautification. What you need is a salvation beautification from God. Hello, somebody. And there is no beauty like a holy beauty in God. Yeah. Earthly beauty is not beauty. That's a cosmic counterfeit beauty system the world offers you and tries to deceive you with. There is no beauty in that at all. But I'm telling you what, holiness is beautiful, man. It's beautiful. I said it's beautiful. And the women who walk in, in holiness today, you're the most beautiful women in the world. You... Listen to me. The women in the world cannot even touch your beauty. They can't even come close to your beauty. So what they try to do is they try to put a mask on and they try to cover everything and they try to put on an external beautification. Why? Because they don't have an inward beauty. 
And if you don't have an inward beauty, you've got to try to resort to an external beauty. But there's something awesome today when you understand this sea of glass. And that mirror speaks of a person who the Bible talks about. That we behold the Lord. 1 Corinthians 3, we behold the Lord as in a mirror. And as we behold the Lord as in a mirror, we are changed from glory to glory. Into the very image of God himself. Give God some praise. And so you started out when you came to that water basin, that mirror there. Lay down your life, repent of your sins, and bury the old person rise to walk in newness of life and there that's where the beast lost his power over you that's where the antichrist lost his power over you that's where sin lost its power over you that's when the world lost its hold upon you and then from there we see also before the throne not just a sea of glass and revelation 15 says they're actually standing on that sea of glass but we see also, we see a seven spirits of God burning before the throne, which takes you to the holy place, from the outer court to the holy place. Now, all of this is based in the work of the cross, the altar. Okay? And you go from there to the holy place, and in the holy place, you've got that seven golden candlestick. So when you go from the outer court dimension... Then you get filled with the Holy Ghost. You're baptized. You've repented of your sin, the altar. You've been baptized in Jesus' name for the mission of sins. Had your sins washed away. You with me? And everything I just preached about the labor is applying to you. Then you go from there and you go into that holy place. And you got a table of showbread on one side. You got an, a golden candlestick on another. And you've got an altar of incense right in front of you. Okay, watch this. And you go in there and that's where you receive the power of the Holy Ghost. It's not beyond the veil. In your old Search for Truth Bible studies, it will teach you that the power of the Holy Ghost is found beyond the veil. No, 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 no. The power of the Holy Ghost is to get you beyond the veil. And so when you walk in that second dimension, what do you find? You find the golden candlestick, the altar of incense, and the table of showbread. And you get filled with the Holy Ghost in that chamber. Hello? In that chamber, everything's in part. Everything's in part. In that chamber, that's where you have the gifts of the Spirit. In that chamber, that's where you have the fivefold ministry. Come on. But it's all in part. See? Some churches are after this. Well, I can't wait till we get a fivefold ministry set up in our house. And, and that's, that's all fine. So you have to take the first dimension into the second dimension and the first and second into the third dimension. You don't throw them away. But I'm trying to say that that's not the ultimate. That's my point. In fact, Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 13. He said, we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. He says, when that which is perfect is come, third dimension. When that which is perfect is come, that which is in part shall be done away. It's swallowed up into the next dimension. What is that dimension? A face-to-face -face encounter with a throne, with God. You've gone beyond the place of, of partial. 
a place of ultimate. That's why the cherubim, come on somebody, the cherubim, well, you're going to see them in parts. But the seraphim, you're going to see them in completion. Did you understand that? Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Thank God for the gifts of the Spirit. Thank God for the fivefold ministry. But that's only a partial realm. That's not the ultimate realm. Church is not the ultimate. Church is where you are being tutored to reign. Church is where you are trained to reign. I am an ambassador to kings. God has called me to teach you or to train you how to reign in a perfect realm. Not just walk in a partial realm. The fivefold ministry is even given to the church. What for? For the perfecting of the saints. The completion aspect. Okay, y'all with me? And then in this same chapter 4, we see the third dimension. We see the throne of God. And we see the 24 elders around the throne. And we see the living creatures in, around the throne and in the midst of the throne. We see the seven spirits of God. Are you with me here? Which to me also speaks of the, the rainbow that's there associated with the throne. All of this is in a people. All of this is inside of us. But we are progressively moving to it. Okay. Let me explain to you now. Okay, do you understand dimensions now? That when you get in the throne room, you're getting into the kingdom of God. You're starting to move into the mysteries of the kingdom of God. If you're just satisfied, you know, to be a church person, you can be dismissed now. You can go your way now. Because I've told you everything you need to know. But if you want to move into the highest level, a hundredfold level, then you need to stay and listen. Because what's happening around the throne depicts a people who have overcome. Don't worry. It'll come back up. I think. Yeah. Praise the Lord. I might have to redo it. Okay, yeah, there we go. Now watch this. Are y'all here today? Man, I'm shooting for the heavens, man. I'm shooting. I'm shooting for the ultimate. Something that used to really, okay. These creatures that are around the throne and the elders that are around the throne, they all speak of dimensions. They speak of chambers. I don't know how the 24 elders, I don't know how it all works out. But they all speak of chambers or dimensions within that throne. Or mysteries within that throne room that people operate in in the spirit inside. And then ultimately physically. Do you understand what I'm saying? My primary focus this morning is going to be, number one, we know the Lord's on the throne. But the living creatures that are around the throne and in the midst of the throne. Who sing. Who are the ones who sing. Thou hast redeemed us to God by thy blood. The connection is back to the altar again. By thy blood. Out of every kindred tongue and nation and people. Are you with me today? 
We got here in the most holy place because of the work of the cross in the outer court. So that the message of the most holy place is the message of the cross. That's why you have. Now, just hang with me. I'm going to show you. The message of the most holy place is the message of the cross. They sprinkle the blood seven times before the ark. You with me here? It's connected to the altar. Say seven times. The Bible says, associated with this throne and these creatures, that come from the throne, comes forth thunder. Thunder is the message of the most holy place. When Jesus was baptized in the river Jordan, the spirit like a dove came upon him. And it sounded like thunder. And it said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So thunder is the message. It's God speaking. And here it's the message of the most holy place. It's the voice of God. Only overcomers are going to be able to hear that voice. Everybody else are going to think it's just thunder going off. But Revelation 10 talks about an angel that's clothed with a rainbow. He's got a rainbow hat. He's, he's got a rainbow hat. He's clothed with a cloud. He stuck his head behind the veil. He's got a revelation of the finished work. And because of that, seven thunders uttered their voices. He was told not to write it down. Doesn't mean he did not understand what he heard. Only overcomers are going to be able to understand what the seven thunders are saying. They are linked to the cross. The voice of God talking. But to some people it's just a thunder. The message of the most holy place then is the thunder. Watch this. When the Bible says when Jesus died on the cross. In this same passage of Revelation 4 it says there's thunder, lightning and an earthquake. When Jesus died on the cross there was a mighty earthquake. Finished work. When he rose from the dead, the Bible says there was a mighty earthquake. So it's connected. This, watch this. So the message of the most holy place is the cross. The lightning in the most holy place is the movement that the message produces. And the earthquake is the manifestation. So that when you get a revelation of the cross in your life, you're going to hear thunder and it's going to cause a lightning a movement to take place inside of you and not only that but it's going to cause an earthquake on the inside of you something's going to go off in you and I'm telling you that a lot of Pentecostal people who are filled with the Holy Ghost God bless their soul have no idea about something going off in them they would come in, I'm talking about spirit-filled people, would come in here and think that you absolutely lost your mind. They don't understand that we've got a message of thunder. They don't understand that we've got a movement like lightning. They don't understand that we've got a manifestation like a mighty earthquake going off on the inside of us. Because, and why is that? Because they don't know about it. They don't know about thunder and lightning and earthquake going off in them. These are all things that are within a people. So 
they're going to come in here, man. And they're going to think you absolutely lost your mind. But when you get a revelation of it, the living creatures praise. Their praise is ignited. And then from the living creatures, the elders start praising. Their praise is ignited. And then from there, the multitude of angels start, start getting in on the action. And then from there, all creation echoes what they're saying around the... They're singing the praises of God. Why? Because they've got a manifestation. They've heard the message. They've understood the lightning. And so now, there's a mighty earthquake associated within them. Within them. Give God some praise. Now... Look at your Bible so I can give this to you so you'll see it, okay? Praise the Lord. Woo, I feel awesome today. He goes on and he says this right here in verse 4. And round about the throne were four and twenty seats. Upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting clothed in white raiment. They had on their heads crowns of gold. These elders have crowns. They're royal. They are a royal priesthood. There's twenty-four of them. 24 speaks of perpetual things. 24 hours a day. Completion. A cycle of completion. A perpetual praise. A perpetual working. These 24. You got 24 elders because it speaks of a perpetual service. A continuing, ongoing, a completed service. You understand what I'm saying? David prepared 24 courses of priests. One for every hour of the day to minister before the throne of God himself. So the number 24 speaks of a, a priesthood who is in perpetual service unto God. They're not just Sunday or not just Wednesday people. They are seven days a week, 24 hours a day walking with God. A perpetual priesthood. Are you here with me now? It says they've got white raiment on. They've got a garment on. White raiment. They've got crowns and a white, white garment upon them. And the Bible goes on in chapter 5. And it tells us that they've got bowls of incense in their hands. And it shows us singing also. Praise God. Are you here today? They've got harps in their hands. So these 24 elders are a priesthood of people who are crowned. They are royal priesthood people. They are a perpetual people. Praise the Lord. They've got incense in their hand they're prayer warriors they got a harp in their hand they're praisers they're singers and they're worshipers unto God but along with those 24 elders and of course eldership is linked to the church realm that's oh yeah so that we can grow up in him and get in that area now watch okay watch this he goes on and he says and now the throne proceeded lightning, thunders, and voices. And there was, there's that, that lightning and thundering and voices. There were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was a sea of glass like unto crystal. And in the midst of the throne and round about the throne were four beasts full of eyes before and behind. Okay, you with me here? You've got these four beasts around the throne, but they're in the throne also. They made, it with, they made it to sit with him in the throne. And the first beast was like a lion. The second beast like a calf. The third beast had the face of a man. And the fourth beast was like a flying eagle. These all depict 
what the Spirit of God, how He operates in you. He operates in you as a lion, as an ox, as a man, and as an eagle. You with me here? Not of us, not all of us have got to the eagle place yet. Okay, watch this. Are you with me here so far? And it says, And these four beasts, each of them had six wings about him. They were full of eyes within, and they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. You talk about some praising 24 hours a day, crying, Holy, 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 giving him glory, creating glory in the earth realm. What you see by revelation is what happens when you pray. What you see by revelation, we would not have known it if he hadn't given it to us. You have a revelation of what happens when you pray in the earth realm, what takes place in the heavenly realm. You see what happens when you sing in the earth realm. You see what happens in the heavenly realm. Give God some praise. We would have never known it if he hadn't showed it to us. You talk about these creatures. Notice, four living creatures crying, holy, holy, holy. They're around the throne and in the midst of the throne. One has the face of a lion. The one has the face of an ox. The one has the face of a man. One has the face of an eagle. Praise God. And they've all got six wings. Who are these living creatures? The hayot of God. Hebrew is hayot. The hayot of God. Or uh, zoe in the Greek or zoon in the Greek means living creatures. They're not the therion beast of Revelation 13, the evil beast. They are living creatures. They are living. And their whole purpose is to manifest the kingdom and the throne. Not just the kingdom and the throne, but he that sits upon the throne. Because this manifestation is not about me. This manifestation is about God in me. Now, if you look at this, in Isaiah 6, go to Isaiah 6. Let's talk about him. Are y'all with me today? These living creatures are Zoe, living creatures, the hyote of God. Hebrews 13 talks about the beasts that are sacrificed. The same word is used. So he wants you to know that through much sacrifice, you get into that dimension. Are you hearing me today? Isaiah 6. Who are these creatures? Are they the cherubim or are they the seraphim? Ooh, praise God. I just want to tell you something, man. It's awesome to be able to share these things with you. See, I get to sit down and I get to just, I get to explore and I get to discover, you know. And I, this is awesome, man. I started about 11 o'clock yesterday. I finished about 12 o'clock last night just discovering and God letting me find things and see things. And I'm telling you today, it's an awesome thing for me to be able to stand up here today and share these awesome things with you. It's a privilege. It's an honor. Go to Isaiah 6. These creatures, who are they? Uh, Isaiah 6. Turn there quickly because I don't have much time. Aren't you glad that you can get into a high place in God? 
<laughs> See, I want to be like the eagle. That ultimate, thank you. I want to be like the eagle that sees far and flies high. I want to see far and fly high like the mighty eagle. For my birthday, some of the, some of the kids, Sister Maria's kids, uh, gave me an, a mighty eagle, man, stretched out over the mountains. Man, I just thought it was the most awesome thing. You know how I am about eagles. And I picked up that thing. I said, look at that mighty eagle, man. That's what I want to be. I want to be a mighty eagle in God's kingdom. In Isaiah 6. Mm. Now Isaiah 6 Here's what Isaiah saw And I have time to give all this to you today But Isaiah's What he was going through is a picture of the, the flesh Oh yeah man The flesh having to be delivered Having to be burned He talks about Israel in this passage here Like an oak tree Israel's so full of pride they're supposed to be God's covenant people. Supposed to be walking in the rainbow. Supposed to be around the throne in covenant with God. But they are so stubborn and so rebellious and so prideful. Uh, he goes in this same chapter uh, 6. He said they're like an oak tree. Have you ever tried to run a nail through an oak tree? Have you ever tried to run a nail through an oak ward? A piece of wood, an oak board. Have you ever done that? It's almost impossible to drive a nail through an oak board. Which means this. It's hard you to crucify your oak it's hard for you to crucify your flesh it's hard for you to die to your flesh it's hard for you to nail it to the tree that's why I'm telling you it's not easy only the overcomer gets there because we don't want to die to that flesh and that's in the same Isaiah 6 passage it's all linked now watch this okay you're gonna have okay let me stay focused Scott What's this? In the year that King Isaiah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. The earthly king has to die. You have to relinquish your kingdom and your realm in order to see him. If your earthly king doesn't die, you stand back and ooh and oh, wow, that's awesome. Well, this is awesome. No, he's awesome. The earthly king, I... Uh, Uzziah, 52 years, I believe, he reigned. He died. And watch what happens. Now, here we go. He gets a vision of the throne. How? Bodily? Did he get caught up bodily or spiritually? Caught up in the spirit. Like John was caught up in the spirit before the throne. Like Paul was caught up in the spirit before the throne. Like Ezekiel was caught up in the spirit dimension. This prophet, caught up in the spirit dimension. And what does he see around the throne? He says, above it stood the seraphim, above the throne. Did you hear that? Above the throne stood the seraphim. Seraphim means burning ones. Now, when I talk about these living creatures, I'm talking about they are real. But I'm talking about you. So, those people who are above the throne are seraphim. They are on fire. They have been ignited. And the reason why they're on fire is so they can set the fields of this world on fire. Sometimes God will set your field on fire. Now 
Now watch this. You have to have something inside of you that's like a fire, like a burning coal. Because God's going to take those burning coals and cast them into the earth. He's looking for a people that are going to be so on fire that they go out and they consume the earth realm with that fire. That's why they're called seraphim here. Burning ones. Like coals of fire. Each one had six wings. Same thing Revelation 4 said about the living creatures around the throne and in the midst of the throne. They had six wings. Here they're called seraphim. Burning ones. The Bible said in twain he covered his face. With twain he covered his feet. And with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said. Same thing they said in Revelation 4. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The Lord of armies. Ha! This is a battle! I know we're going to have Thanksgiving dinner, man. But this ain't a Sunday school picnic. This is a battle! He is the Lord of hosts! Watch this. He said this. Holy, holy, Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. The earth realm has been impacted with the throne of God. But notice they're standing above the throne. And the Bible said the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried. And the house was filled with smoke. Whenever you have a movement of God, you're going to move. There ain't no way you can set there dormant. When the spirit of the living God moves inside of you. It's like an earthquake that shakes the post of your temple. Watch. Then said I, woe is me, for I am undone because I was a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphim unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. He laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips. There's that altar connection again. This has touched thy lips. Thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. Okay, I'm going to stop there. I don't have time to get anything else. But what I want you to see is these creatures have six wings. They're called seraphim in this passage, and they're above the throne. They are described the same way in Revelation 4 as having six wings. In Revelation, Revelation 4, it says they have the face of a lion. They have the face of an ox. They have the face of a man. They have the face of an eagle. Only one face. Go to Ezekiel 1. Let's talk about the cherubim. The cherubim. The cherubim have the characteristics of the seraphim. Ezekiel 1, praise the Lord, watch this, but I want to show you the differences, the differences, Ezekiel 1, it says this, give God a hand clap of praise, now it came to pass in the 13th year, in the 4th month, in the 5th day of the month, as I was among the captives by the river Kabar, that the heavens were opened, the heavens opened. The heavens are going to open for a people. Watch. The heavens opened and I saw visions of God. What did he have? Visions of God. He's in Babylon, which means confusion. 
if you're in confusion today, you got to get a vision of God. You got to stop looking at your problem and your trouble and your confusion and start looking into God. You got to get a vision of God if you've got confusion in your life. And in Babylon, this prophet gets a vision of God. It says visions. Visions, plural, of God. Now watch this. Mm-hmm. The Bible says in the fifth day of the month, which was the fifth year of King Jehoiakim's captivity, the word of the Lord came expressly unto Ezekiel, the priest, the son of Buzai, in the land of the Chaldeans by the river Kabar. The hand of the Lord was there upon me. All right, so the heavens are open. He's getting the visions of God here, and the hand of God is on him. I looked. Here we go. Mm. I looked. I got about 15 minutes. I got to finish this. I looked, and behold, a whirlwind came out of the north. Are you with me? A great cloud. And a fire enfolding itself. And brightness was about it. And out of the midst thereof was the color of amber. This glory that's coming out of that cloud there, the one on the throne is depicted as amber. I did a study on amber. Amber is literally the resin from a petrified pine. It is used for jewelry. It is believed to be the petrification of sunlight. And when you rub amber, it creates static electricity. No wonder when you come in this house and you come in the presence of the Lord, you start feeling electricity run through your hands, through your body, through your feet. There's been times my hands have been on fire with that electromagnetic because that ember is like liquid fire. It's like petrified fire. In fact, they even called it not only petrified fire, but petrified teardrops. Got it? So we got this electricity coming out of that cloud, man. Like a, like a, all right, watch this. He said this, and elsewhere in the midst of came the lightness. Okay, out of this fire. This is depicting God. He's having visions of God. From the fire or from God originates the living creatures. So this is a picture of a people who have their origin in God who have been born again. They had fallen away from God but they're going back to God who gave them. So they're coming forth. They're, they're being birthed. Their origin is from God. I'm, now I'm not talking about all everybody. I'm talking about these most holy place people. I'm talking about these living creature type people. These are people who are, man, they manifest God in the earth. They originate from God's throne. They got the same fire in them. They got the same walk in them. They got the same eyesight in them. What's true of him is true of them. Their feet even look like brass. Which means they walk just like he does. And that, that is produced from a refining fire. They've been through a refiner's fire process. And they walk just like him. Look at your Bible. Get your Bible open. So he says, out, out of the midst thereof came the likeness of four living creatures. And this was their appearance. They had the likeness of a man. Four creatures, but one likeness. 
or creatures, but one likeness, and the likeness is of a man. Ezekiel said he had visions of God. Now we see four creatures, but the likeness is of a man. So what we have here is God manifest in the flesh. We see God becoming a man. Jesus was God come in the flesh. He wasn't the second person in a trinity. He wasn't the third person in a trinity. He was God come in the flesh. The visions of God or the likeness of God was seen in one man. But it takes four characteristics to declare this one man who is the God man. Jesus is the God man. He's God come in flesh. Ezekiel saw a vision of God and he had come in the likeness of a man. And it took four creatures to depict him, but they all had the likeness of him. What are they doing? They're manifesting him. They're showing him. They're declaring the God-man, Jesus, the one that's sitting on the throne, the one they came forth from, the one they originated from. Now watch. The Bible said, and everyone had four faces. But the seraphim didn't say they had four faces. It says the cherubim had four faces the seraphim had each one of them a face the bible said in isaiah 6 and it said they had six wings here the cherubim it says they each one have four faces and there are four cherubim which means there's a total of 16 faces watch the difference here here we go everyone had four faces everyone had four wings now here these cherubim have four wings the seraphim had one face, Revelation, Isaiah 6, Revelation 4, same thing, one face each. Isaiah 6, Revelation 4, six wings. Here, the cherubim have four faces each and four wings. Six speaks of man being redeemed, the number of man being redeemed. Number four speaks of creation. Either way you look at it, they're, in, they're associated with the redemption of man. Or redeemed man. Now watch this. And their feet was a straight feet. Okay. Before I do that though, I want to go over here and I want to show you something. The Bible said in verse 22, And the likeness of the firmament upon the heads of the living creature was, a, was the color of a terrible crystal stretched forth over their heads above. Here, the firmament is above their heads. And then above the firmament is the throne. In Isaiah 6, it said the seraphim are above the throne. Here it says the cherubim are under the firmament, under the throne. They are the chariot of God. The seraphim are not called the chariot of God. The cherubim are called the chariot of God. They are the ones who upon their back the throne sets. Upon their back the throne moves. God said he rode upon a cherub. So this, these cherubs are the throne. They are the chariot of the throne. They are the carriers of the throne. And they're underneath the throne. But the seraphim are above the throne. We'll miss it if we don't look carefully at the wording. The cherubim have four wings and each four faces. The seraphim have six wings and one face each. Same faces. But only one in completion in that realm. Four in partial in the cherubim realm. So when you make it to the cherubim, all right, you with me here? You've gone from the outer court, you've gone to the holy place, and now you've made it to the cherubim, the ark, behind the veil. Okay, watch this. 
when you make it to the cherubim, what did God do with the cherubim? He set them up on the outside of the garden. So when you get to the cherubim, you've made it to the garden. You've made it back to the garden. Because the Bible said he placed cherubim there at the eastern side of the garden to keep the way thereof, which means to allow them back into it. It's the entrance into the garden. I told you it's going to be revolutionary to you. It is connected with the throne. But we have this idea that the Lord is sitting down in between the cherubim here like this. Okay, no, 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 no. The cherubim are the chariot of the throne. He's sitting above it. There's a ferment separating them. He's sitting above it. And they're moving that throne from one place to another. The throne is a moving throne. It's God moving among men. Moving among His creation. So that's the difference. The cherubim are the chariot. The seraphim are above the throne. All right. All right, watch this. You got that point so far? Okay, here we go. The Bible says in verse 24, And when they went, I heard the noise of their wings, like the noise of great waters, the voice of the Almighty, the voice of speech, noise of a host. When they stood, they let down their wings. And there was a voice from the firmament that was over their heads when they stood and had let down their wings. That's God's voice. And above the firmament, there was over their heads was the likeness of a throne. You see, there's a throne above their heads. The throne is above their heads. Thanks, sister. Amen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, what verse was I at? 24. I, I got distracted by my timekeeper. Okay, y'all ready? What was I at? What verse? 24. And when they went, I heard the noise of their wings, like the noise of great waters, the voice of the Almighty, the voice of speech. As the voice said, when they stood, they let down their wings, and there was a voice from the firmament that was over them, over their heads. And when they stood, they let down their wings. And above the firmament, here we go that was over their heads was like the likeness of a throne as the appearance of sapphire stone and upon the likeness of the throne was the likeness as the appearance of a man above it there's God come in the flesh there's Jesus and I saw as the color of amber yeah here we go the color of amber that electromagnetic stone petrified sunlight fire as the appearance of fire round about within it from the appearance of his loins see I'm talking about an all-consuming fire in that throne. And the Bible goes on and says this, And I saw the color of amber, the appearance of fire round about within it, from the appearance of his loins, even upward, and from the appearance of his loins, even downward. I saw, as it were, the appearance of fire, and it had brightness round about it, the appearance of the bow. There's the bow. That is in the cloud in the day of rain, so was the appearance of the brightness. Here it says, as in the day of rain, so was the appearance of brightness round about this was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And when I saw it, I fell upon my face and heard a voice of one that spake. Exactly what, what John saw. Okay. Now, let's talk about these. These cherubim are underneath the crystal sea. So now I'm not placing the crystal sea in, in, in the outer court here as baptism. But what I want you to see is the crystal sea is the firmament that's above their head. It's like crystal, the Bible says. Watch this. God, wherever it goes. But they're underneath the throne. The firmament's above them. And then above that is the throne. And God is sitting on the throne. Jesus is sitting on the throne. Right? You with me? Each one of them. Now, let's talk about what they look like. 
because the seraphim that are above the throne, the cherubim have similar characteristics, but they are not as complete as the seraphim. Because they've got four faces each instead of one face. And so the cherubim are a picture of a people who are moving to that place of a seraphim operation. They're moving to where the throne is. No, no. That's okay, brother. Hallelujah. Oh, he wants to show you a picture. Praise the Lord. But yeah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay. Uh, thank you for that picture. But now I need mine back. Yeah. Because thank you, brother. I need, I need mine. Just as soon as you change that, I needed it, this one. <laughs> but I appreciate that, brother. God bless you. Okay. Now here we go. Mm, hallelujah. So let's talk about these cherubim. I'm almost through. I got to close, man. I have to. I don't have a choice. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Let's talk about these cherubim. Notice, he says, everyone had four faces, everyone had four wings. They're the chariot of God. I believe it's 2 Chronicles 28 it talks about the chariot of the cherubims. They were the chariot of God. Strong. And their feet were straight feet. This people who make it to that dimension walk right. Because these living creatures, or these cherubim here, speak to you of a people who are going to move into the throne realm. But only people who walk right get there. They've got straight feet. And the sole of their feet was like the sole of a calf's foot. They sparkled like the color of burnished brass, which means they walked just like he walks because his feet look like brass burned in a furnace. So these people are refined. They've been through the fire. They've been through the test. And they walk just like their king. They had the hands of a man under their wings. On their four sides, they four had the faces and their wings. So now we've got hands under the wings. And the hand speaks of a fivefold ministry. So this is a ministry. Hello. This is a ministry. And I'm going to show you. The Bible says their noise is heard all the way to the outer court. Which means this ministry reaches all the way to the outer court and explains to them, to the whole people out there in the outer court, what the wings mean. Okay? The hands are fivefold ministry. They're underneath the wings. Now, let me just talk to you about the wings real quick. Okay? Here they have four. In Ezekiel 10, Ezekiel sees the vision again. And it says the wings are full of eyes. Full of eyes. Watch this. The wings in the Bible speak of deliverance God talked about when he delivered Israel out of Egypt he said it was like like the wings of an eagle I carried you on my back as the wings of an eagle deliverance it speaks of deliverance it speaks of a people who walk in deliverance Ruth said under his shadow under his wings I have come to trust so it speaks of trust their wings are joined which me, which speaks of unity just go through the word of God and you'll see what the wings speak of to you. That's, and this ministry is taking it out there to you and saying, this is available to you. Out of time. Watch this. Their wings were joined one to another. They turned not when they went, and they went every one straight forward. As for the likeness of their faces, they four had the face of a man. All of them had the face of a man. All four of them had the face of a lion. All four of them had the, watch this. On the right side, they had the face of a lion. And on the left side, 
They had the face of an ox. They four had the face of an eagle. Okay? So on the right side, we have the face of a lion. On the left side, we have the face of an ox. But uh, uh, when you talk about the man and you talk about the eagle, there's no side. There's no side. No side. And we're talking about the face, which is, thanks. The face is the prominent, eminent part of your body. So what we see here is, we see the face of a lion on the right side. face of an ox on the left side. But no side to the man or the eagle. Which means this, okay? This people is a people who have the lion nature in them. They have the ox nature in them. They have the eagle nature in them, which cannot be seen. That's the, where the brain is. And then the, the, the man feature is what manifests what you can't see. With me here, that's the face. That's your vehicle of expression. Okay, y'all got that so far? Yeah. So inside of me, I've got the lion nature in me, which speaks of great courage. You'll never get anywhere in the kingdom of God without great courage. And I've got the ox nature inside of me, which speaks of sacrifice. It speaks of perseverance. It speaks of service. And we've got that in us. And I've got the man nature in me, which speaks of intelligence and speaks of mercy given to the man. And I've got the ego nature inside of me, which always declares God in his deity, the godness of God. And I've got all of that working in me. The Bible said, thus were their faces and their wings were stretched upward. Two wings of every one were joined one to another and two covered their bodies. And they went every one straight forward. Whether the spirit was to go, they went and they turned not when they went. This means these are our people who follow the lamb whithersoever he goeth. They are a people who are led by the spirit. They're not by, led by the flesh. They're not led by the world. And they're not led by the devil. They are an overcoming crowd who are led by the spirit. And whatever God tells them, they do it. They go straight forward. They don't go to the right hand or to the left hand. They don't backslide. Straight. They're focused. They're forward. And they move in the spirit. As for the likeness of the living creatures, their appearance was like burning coals of fire. So this people is a people who are like coals of fire. They're like the seraphim. Like the prince that went up and down among the living creatures. The fire was bright, and out of the fire went forth lightning. There's the manifestation, uh, or the movement of the most holy place. When they moved, they went, shoo, 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 like lightning appearing and disappearing. Shoo, 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 just like that. That's the way this people moves. I'm talking about a people of God in the earth that's going to move like that. So quick, like lightning, you can't even see them, man. And they're all manifesting Jesus. Because Matthew 24 says, when he appears, he shall appear as lightning. So these are people who are manifesting his appearing and they're moving like lightning back and forth. They appear, then they disappear. And the living creatures ran and returned as the appearance of a flash of lightning. And now as I beheld the living creatures, behold one wheel upon the earth by the living creature with his four faces. So now he's got wheels. See the chariot, the chariot. He's got wheels. One wheel upon the earth. The wheel is for earth movement. The wings are for heavenly movement. And the Bible goes on, it tells us 
in, in Ezekiel 10 that there's eyes in the wheels and there's eyes in the wings. So whatever, heavenly realm or earthly realm, they all have vision. They have a vision for every realm, every dimension, because it's heard all the way into the outer court. This people has a vision, not just for the throne, but they can see people in the outer court and the holy place say, come on up in here with us. They've got a vision for every realm. Okay? And they move in the earth and they move in the heavens. They can move on water. They can move on land. They can move on the sea. They can move in the air. It doesn't matter. Nothing can stop them. And it goes on. It tells us that what is the motor in that wheel is the spirit. So guess what? Hello, you got a wheel within the wheel. I'm looking at a bunch of wheels right now. And there's a wheel within the wheel. And the wheel within you is the spirit. It causes you to move. And when you move, you have great vision. And you don't, listen, you don't turn the right hand or left hand. You go forward, you go straight. The Bible talks about this wheel in the wheel. It's not like a wheel like this, round and then round inside. It's like this. It's a 90-degree wheel, which means this. They can move any direction, forward, sideways, anyway, without ever turning. Without ever turning. I said without ever turning. It's always straightforward to them because they never turn. Kind of like a ball rolling, you know what I'm saying? A ball can move in any direction. But don't probably say it'll move, it'll change its direction, you know. But not this because there's a wheel within the wheel. It's a, it's a right angle wheel. And they go, Phew. and they're like lightning when they move. Man, they never turn. How much time do I got? Oh, I'm out of time. Okay, sorry, y'all. Okay, yeah, big. <laughs> They that hunger and thirst after righteousness, they shall be filled. How hungry are you? Watch. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish though real quick. Praise God. Verse 19, when the living creatures went, the wheels went by them. And when the living creatures were lifted up from the earth, the wheels were lifted up. For the silver the spirit was to go, they went. Are you with me here for this point? Okay. Praise God. Beautiful. Beautiful. And the likeness of the firmament. And it talks about that firmament by their hairs. Okay. That's enough for now. But that's who you are. Now, let me show you this right here so I can, I can get to the point. Okay. I need to get to the point. What you have then is you, <clears throat> as you come up through, if you can see this mark right here. Everybody follow this line right here, okay? See me? We're coming back to God. We're moving back. We're on a journey on the inside back to God spiritually. Eventually, ultimately back to God who gave. We come to the outer court. Here's the altar. Here's the brazen laver right here. The altar speaks of the cross. The laver speaks of the place where we got our sins washed away. We keep moving. We come into the holy place right here. Are you with me here? Hallelujah. 20 by 10 by 10. 2,000 in size. Speaks of the partial move of God. Speaks of the anointing of the Holy Ghost and the church. And then behind that, there's a veil. Are you with me? A veil. Then the carabine on the ark. Right? With me here at that point? Okay. So as I'm moving back to God, like a prodigal son. I'm moving through these, the outer court, then the holy place chamber. And then I come to the east gate. I walk back to the garden right there. And there's the carabine. They're stationed at the garden of God. They are underneath a firmament. Are you with me here? It is what we lost when God placed us in the earth. We have a veil over our mind. We, we have a hard time seeing into the heavenly realm. There's a crystal, there's a, a firmament that's blocking that. All right, but when you walk up here, having been filled with the Holy Ghost, now you're prepared to move through the eastern gate. 
You're beginning to move like these cherubim here. The four aspects of these creatures inside of you. The will within the will. The spirit inside of you. The voice of the Almighty inside of you. Come on, are you with me here? Like waters here burning. Brass feet going straight forward with hands underneath there. Reaching out to people. All right, now watch. You keep moving though. And the Bible says that there is a firmament above that chariot of God. All right, you're going to bear with me just a little bit here. There is a chariot. Chariot, what's this? Okay, now we're moving, right? There's those four cherubim right there. See, if we had time, we could talk about it. Here's the entry point of the priest on the Day of Atonement. Right there, you see that? The east gate of Eden and the prince's gate of Ezekiel 44, 23. You got that right there? The cherubims have a four-sided face. A lion is on one side, a man on the second side, an ox on the third side, and an eagle on the fourth side. That's the way he places it. It's really more like what I shared with you before. We got an ox on the left side, I believe it is, the, the man on the right, right side. And then you got the face of the man and the eagle. It's not described what side it's on. Terrible crystal firmament or crystal sea above their heads. Those below the firmament see through a glass darkly. We see through a glass darkly, but then face to face, when that which is perfect is come. These creatures here, these cherubim, are a people who are trying to get beyond the veil. They're trying to get beyond the firmament so they can see and experience the seraphim. Are you with me here? Okay, so they're underneath. Here we go. There's the crystal glass of sea. There's the seraphim right there. But notice here, they each have one face. Revelation 4, Isaiah 6. These had four faces. Now you're moving into a, a more complete realm of God. These are above. They've made it above the crystal sea. They've made it above the firmament. <coughs> they made it above the sea of glass. That's why Revelation 15, 2, it says, you see people standing on the sea of glass. Why? Because they got the victory over the beast nature inside of them. And that beast nature which was inside of them veiled him in this realm. Watch. Are y'all with me still? Okay, so we have these seraphim here. We've got these 24 elders associated with the throne. There's the throne right there. Praise God. That's a very high dimension. So watch. Here's what I want you to see. I can draw this and I'll close it. I promise you. As you come up, this, okay. into this outer court, you go through this gate, outer court, over here, and here's this tabernacle right here. It's got two rooms to it, with me here, and there's the ark of God right there. Okay, here's what I want you to see. When you move through these realms, the outer court, Going to the holy place and the most holy place. Then you're going to find the ark is right there. The cherubim are right there. But evidently, because the Bible says they're underneath the throne. Underneath the throne, the cherubim are. And they are the chariot of God. And then the seraphim are above the throne. Evidently, when you hit this ark, you go straight up. You no longer go any further. If you keep moving backwards, you're going to hit the back of the tabernacle. When you get to that place right there, you go straight up and you go beyond the firmament. You go beyond. 
the crystal sea and you move into where the seraphim operates where the throne of God is Enoch got there physically in his body Paul got there in the spirit John got there in the spirit Ezekiel got there in the spirit I'm telling you this movement is something that takes place inside of us first in the spirit these creatures depict our the operation of God in us in different realms but ultimately we will be physically caught up like Enoch now Enoch had to have a change of garment there's no way he could have walked in the throne room like he was God had to change his clothes and, I, and the Bible talks about this throne fire coming out of it the Lord's like a fire if you don't have some kind of garment on there you'd be consumed just like that and so maybe someday when I have time I'll talk about the chambers of snow that God has reserved there you see because you have to have ice and water you have to have fire and water to move into this room that I'm talking about you'd never make it you'd never survive it without it okay praise the Lord alright so I told you it's going to be revolutionary it's something um, amen it's beautiful it's beautiful beautiful to see the difference in the scripture of the seraphim above the throne and the cherubim underneath the throne and it all depicts a people who are the overcomers who are make it into that dimension and that's where I want to get now, and I don't want to throw you right here, but just in closing, it's a man-child. It's a, it's a, a people who have not just, be, not just the bride, but they move beyond the bride. They've actually become sons, manifestation of God. They are the man-child. You hear what I'm saying? They are the man-child. And the woman, the Bible says in Revelation 12, is going to go into the wilderness, and God is going to take her into the wilderness as what? of an eagle which means there's an eagle company that's going to help the woman in the tribulation period that man child company or that eagle company are going to help the woman now I don't know how what all that means altogether but I'm telling you something in in the spirit there, there people are going to be moving in the spirit from the earth realm to the heavenly realm they're going to see visions of the throne just like these prophets did and this eagle, this man-child, is going to help the woman that gave birth to him. Now, I don't want to throw you with all that, but I'm talking about dimensions in God. And I got to meditating on all this, and I thought, Lord, when you get to that ark right there, it symbolizes the throne. But here you see the cherubim on top. And the Bible says in Exodus 25, they are a cherubim. They are called cherubim. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Are you getting this? Could it be that this people is seen now moving up top, the cherubim moving up top, and have finally gone back to a place of seraphim? Is that what God's trying to show us here? Is that why He's giving us different details about the cherubim and the seraphim? I don't know. I don't have the answer to that. But I'm telling you, there is something going on here. When you think about from this place here where the cherubim are straight up ascending, the eagle was Dan an eagle speaks of ascending the man the face of a man speaks of Reuben the man underneath the ascending the lion speaks of Judah on the other side of the tabernacle which speaks of leadership and the ox speaks of following 
Oh, here again we see the eagle ascending, and people who have ascended to that place. And when I thought about this, moving from this realm of the Caribbean beyond the Crystal Sea, the throne area there, you've got the seraphim. The Lord reminded me of the temple, and this is the last thing I'm going to say. The temple, the holy place in the temple, was 10 by 20 by 30. No, 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 no. 40. 20 by 40 by 30. Holy place in the temple. 20 by 40 by 30. 30 high, 40 long, 20 wide. Watch this. The most holy place dimensions when you go beyond the holy place is 20 by 20 by 20. Which means it's shorter. The holy, most holy place is shorter than the holy place. Alright? By 10 cubits. So you've got a space above the most holy place that's 20 by 20 by 10. Because the holy of holies, are you with me here? The holy of holies is not as high as the holy place in the temple. And it's 20 by 20, okay, but you're losing the 10 on the top. So what I'm trying to show you is there is a 20 by 20 by 10 space above the temple that nobody knows what it is. And I'm trying to tell you right now, I believe we've seen it. That there's a place above the place. And it's the same size as the altar. The message of the most holy place is the cross. Let's stand. Father God, I give you praise and glory and honor right now. And I thank you, God, for your awesome spirit today. Thank you for helping me today to bring this word of God to your people, Lord, I pray. And in this spirit, Lord, we would move from one realm to another realm to the ultimate realm. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Help us, oh God, to become and to overcome. That we might be the people of God in the ultimate dimension, in the spirits, and then ultimately in the kingdom of God physically. We understand, God, that through much tribulation, we enter into the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name, amen. May turn the cameras off. Okay, I'm through. But I want to tell you this. Joseph is a perfect type. He had a rainbow coat. But he suffered greatly. He's a type of the overcomer who will eventually sit on a throne. He's the ultimate overcomer. You're going to have to suffer, friend. This is not a piece of cake. You're going to have to want this with all your, everything with you, in, in you. But you have to see it before you can ever get there. But because you've seen it, now you know that you can get there. Because God wants you to come. He's invited you to come. And He doesn't want to leave anybody else. But only Joseph's and only Job's who fight Leviathan get there. I'm excited. So next time you're really suffering and you're really hurting, you need to understand that that is God's assignment. And stop blaming the devil every time you have a problem. Oh, that devil. I rebuke you, devil, in Jesus' name. Are you funny? God has assigned you to some suffering. God has assigned us to some pain. We've got to overcome. 
If there's nothing to overcome, then why did God say overcome? Okay? So when you start going through something, just say praise God. God, right now, you're burning up the beast in me. Right now, Lord, in order for me to stand on that sea, get above it. Not underneath it, but get above it. I have got to overcome the beast. And I'm telling you, I'm just feeling, you know, not just to talk to the people here that really want to get there. But I want to talk to some people here that really don't care. What's going to happen to you is you will be overcome by the beast. You will be overcome by the beast nature inside of you, your flesh. You'll be led by your flesh. And you will be destroyed. But I got good news for those who really want this. Because I feel both spirits in this house right now. I feel the spirit of the beast. And I feel the spirit of Christ. Which camp are you in? Choose you this day whom you will serve. If God be God, serve Him. If Baal be God, then serve Him. Don't halt between two opinions. Don't stand in the middle. All right? I love you. Let's pray and we'll go eat. Father God, I just thank you right now, Lord Jesus, for this awesome word. I ask you to bless.